passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? Uh, are you under the weather or something? I felt great at about 7.55. <laughs> I see. Oh, my I God. What, what what happened tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. After such a great rejuvenating... Man. Uh, you know, start last week. I don't know what this was. I, 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 it's like a completely different show from what, what it was last week. All the hope that we had, all our dreams gone. Gary Garbett. This week we got Gary Garbett. <laughs> what the Which- f- yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I just I don't know. I I I don't know. I, there's no there's no explanation, man. Maybe that's our review. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. I don't have anything left in me. Yeah. Uh we'll talk to you all Tuesday night no, after ser- SmackDown. But seriously, like I mean, I there was just like I I don't know how you go from the show last week to to what we had this week, which I I feel like might might have been worse than what Raw was before. I cannot tell you how badly this show dragged for me. I just thought this was the longest Raw that was just never ending. Like, at, at, seriously, at 9.20 p.m. I, I could not fathom it was only 9.20 p.m. I can't tell you anything on this show that is... Go out of your way to see. I completely do not need to see Extreme Rules on Sunday after watching this tonight. I need six days to recover. I need to go home after the go-home show. I'm trying to think in what scenario somebody, like, I would recommend somebody to watch this. Mm. Maybe if I really didn't like that person. Honestly, like, if I was to ask you, what happened on Raw tonight? What happened? Uh, um, Lacey Evans punched Becky really hard in the jaw. Um, <laughs> Cedric Alexander 
pretty well embarrassed himself. Um, <laughs> went through all that trouble of dressing up as a man in a janitor's outfit. Is is that not like I think everyone knew where it was kind of going as soon as the guy limped out. Is that not like the easiest thing to get the pop at the end and, and book that thing? <laughs> and they did the exact opposite of it. It's like you you actually had Cedric after he unmasks, like, huh, we really pulled one on you. No, you 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 idiots, like your plan completely backfired. You tried to outsmart the heels and they still beat you. Listen, you, if I, you tried to an underhanded tactic that still blew up in your face. If I was Roman or Cedric, like oh. if it, like Roman took Cedric's mask off at the end, and if I was Cedric, I'd be like, please don't take my mask off. Please don't take it off. Because <laughs> it only makes Cedric look <laughs> like an idiot. Roman, who, Roman, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Who lost to like the, the Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre in two minutes. Uh, after trying to pull off that, I guess you could call it some type of ruse. Man, jokes on like jokes like seriously, on you guys. it would have this actually would have been more protective of Roman and not been as like the two looking like idiots if they had used the actual janitor in that role and he got pinned because Shane was a dick and yeah. ended up attacking the guy. Like at least like there's they beat the helpless guy. No, they they beat a legitimate professional wrestler uh, without even realizing it and thwarting the baby face's grand scheme. I, I was just yeah. I was baffled by the end of this. Well, it was not a good night for masked wrestlers in general on Raw, I would say. Ooh. Yeah, we could debate that one who who had it worse. All right, we're we're going to get into Raw, but I I need something to uh build me up to this. How how are you doing, Way? How was your weekend? My weekend was good. Uh enjoyed a bit bit of G1, watched a little bit of Slammiversary even on a Sunday. So What did you see? I saw the main event. I saw the uh, uh, Women's Monsters ball match. I saw um, the title match, uh, Cage and Elgin. And I saw uh, Johnny Mundo, or sorry, John, Johnny Impact and uh, Rich Swan in the tag match. So most most of the show I watched. Yes, it was uh, Johnny Impact was facing Rich Swan in what might have been Johnny's swan song. Yes. Wow. How about that? Um I enjoyed the show. It was like it was a very good show. I I enjoyed the pay per view a lot. It was, I thought their best pay per view since last year's Slam anniversary. Which, if I'm not mistaken, you attended last year's in Toronto. In Toronto, yes, I was there. Yeah, yes. So it was a really good show. What did you think about the idea of putting Sammy Callahan uh, over Tessa Blanchard? Nate and I disagreed on this last night. Um, I, I, I'm willing to see where they go with it if it's a storyline like continues with tessa ultimately getting the win then i would be for it um if it's a storyline that ends right now then obviously i think that would be questionable because uh they have somebody in tessa blanchard that could lead that company um and the fact that they went ahead and did that main event with you know uh their first intergender main match as a main event um not only i thought was that a ballsy move that i feel like they should have advertised beforehand to me, that's a real hook, but they pulled it off magnificently. I thought it, I thought it ended up being a good match. Yeah, and I didn't feel it was they were forcing it in the main event either. Like they built up the program pretty well on television, and going in, it had I think as much buzz as anything on that show. So it didn't feel out of place in the main event. And to that crowd, that was the hottest match of the night. And if Tessa won, that would have been hands down the biggest pop of the night. Mm-hmm. So well, we shall yeah. see what happens. I mean, I think that they should continue the program. 
Uh, let's just start off with the news and then we'll get into the, the massive list of shows that we have coming up this week because uh, Impact, uh, kind of uh, two notable items coming out of last night's show. We had Mike Johnson reporting that it was Johnny Impact's last match uh, with Impact. Apparently, they're still talking, so there's the chance that maybe they will be able to uh, come to some kind of agreement, but last night was kind of his wrapping up with the company. His contract expired several weeks ago, and they agreed to work through the pay-per-view. And then Dave Meltzer adding today that it was LAX's last match with Impact. Of course, their contracts are up, and wow. uh, not necessarily sure when exactly they're up. It was kind of this summer that they were set to be up, but uh, that is what was reported. And so, they did the inch. Yeah, I was going to ask why. Why would they go let them go out on an injury ankle rather than? I guess they don't know if they're going to come back or not. But okay, I I don't know why they went to such an extent to do the injury angle, and I think everyone clearly knew it was an injury angle when you had a doctor Ariel out there to tend to uh, the fallen. Yes, Santana. my favorite do- uh, on screen doctor, Doctor Ariel. Man, uh, he's been taking a lot of abuse on television of late. He took an F five a few weeks ago. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Just- uh, uh, he's he's a former colleague of ours, everybody at the Fight Network. Um, yes, he's that, not a real what... doctor, everybody, as far as I know. Uh, last he, night, he, added... he was a TV uh, a programmer and and a, a, an executive at Fight Network. But I guess yes. he's got a medical degree somewhere that we didn't know about. Yes, that's one of the enjoyments of watching Impact. Is it's also like a where's Wal- uh, where's Waldo of former people <laughs> that we used to work with that pop up, uh, whether they are being F five or being waterboarded backstage. <laughs> So awesome, so awesome for us. <laughs> or or getting uh or getting attacked by Don Callis. <laughs> that's a, yes. That's gonna be our our shout out thoughts. to Sam. Um. So anyway, talking about Johnny Impact and LAX, I think that um LAX. It's to me clear that everyone is gonna want them. Uh, Johnny Impact. I think that you know right now everyone is stocking up on people, and it would not surprise me at all that WWE is ready to bring back Johnny Impact if he's looking for that. Um. Mm-hmm. Where where would you see being a natural fit for for both of these uh, performers, and do you see any possibility that uh, Impact could be a player here? Because I think these are two valuable assets, and we're really going to see can Impact ultimately compete with any of these contracts when they come up. When you're dealing with the major players here, that you would assume WWE and AEW are going to be at the top of that list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like Impact it definitely is a player, given you know I think. I, I I do feel like at least in in LAX's case I think you know be, with Conan being there I'm sure there's a, a, some level of loyalty uh, and you know um they they've been treating them really well on TV uh through all these events um so I feel like hopefully Impact is able to give them a, a good offer uh the fan in me definitely wants to see them in the mix with what seems to be an incredibly promising tag team division that AEW is building up um I guess the other question is you know are 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 any of those rosters maybe too stacked right now? And where would an LAX fit in, even if you they did get get signed to AEW when they have so many other pro- pet projects that they have to build up? I mean, NXT and WWE obviously are always you know places, but I, I if I'm LAX, I don't I don't know if I want to like get into that 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 giant logjam of talent that they have to build up, and it's certainly not a place that tag teams flourish anyway. So to me, like I'm seriously considering obviously uh, AEW, but as well I'm considering staying at Impact. It might be a good place for them. Johnny Johnny Impact as well. Uh, let's remember, like Taya Valkyrie, still their knockouts champion. Um, so yeah, she's still under contract. 
So I, I could at least see him sticking around as long as she's there. But he too, like, I, I, I do wonder, uh, back in the WWE system, no doubt I think they would probably just, like, give him the Drew McIntyre treatment maybe a few months in NXT or maybe just directly put him up into the main roster. Um, but even then, like, look at what they did to Rey Mysterio tonight. You know, if you're any type of, like, uh, tenured, you know, uh, uh, a veteran. But that said... They, they do treat uh, Drew McIntyre really well. They've been treating Bobby Lashley relatively well, too. So where would Johnny, John John Morrison, whatever whatever you want to call him, where would he stand if he were to be brought back? We'll see. But, I mean, given his limitations, I think, in, in, in the promo department, I don't necessarily see a huge role for him in the WWE at the moment. Uh, is AEW interested in an ex-WWE guy, ex-Impact guy? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that would be the right look for them. They're looking at that talent that either, you know, are incredibly hot, such as a, a John Moxley or talent that's relatively unknown and, and hasn't really made their name elsewhere before. And I'm not sure if Johnny Impact really fits in. So I would say for both both uh, LAX and Johnny Johnny Impact, I, I feel like TNA or Impact is is where they might ultimately end up, actually. Creatively, I can see that argument, but monetarily, I just... I can't imagine that they'd be able to offer what WWE can. And when you hear stories that Rhino is getting offered all this money uh, just so that he doesn't leave, um, but ultimately chose to, and he is actually going to impact. Um, I mean, I, I could just see WWE spending just ridiculous, throwing out lots of money just for the simple reason of AEW not getting these guys and figuring out what they'll do with them afterward. And I see that being ultimately like if you're LAX, like they're going to be looking at offers that are probably going to dwarf whatever their best years have ever been prior. And it it would be with, with impact. So I think it's just going to be out of impacts ballpark to be able to throw around the money that if WWE and or AEW wants these performers, they're going to get paid really well. And now is where everyone's just stocking up. So I, I see that being ultimately, destinations for them just because of the money do you think roh or new japan are part of the uh question at all um well I, i'd be i'd be very surprised if they ended up at either place uh johnny impacts an, e, an an interesting one if i was aew i don't know how aggressive i would be going after johnny impact wwe i can really see that um roh maybe um but i i just feel that with with roh right now it's I don't know. I, I don't know if that's where... If you're Johnny Impact, you're 39 years old. You probably have one good like money-making run in you in terms of signing a, a big contract. I don't know if he wants to do that at Ring of Honor. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting if they, if they become a player in this because uh, ROH, like they made their big signings at the end of the year, but you haven't seen uh, too many gigantic signings. Like They've added some names here and there, but it's... It's been kind of low on that front. I mean, they teased the Enzo and Cass stuff. There's been no follow-up with that. In ROH, they brought in, you know, the beautiful people. Um, that's that's kind of been your additions that you've seen in ROH. Hmm. Uh, so we will keep updated on uh, whatever happens with them. AEW has announced a new match for Fight for the Fallen this coming Saturday. It's going to be Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky taking on Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix from Jacksonville, Florida. This was revealed on today's episode of Being the Elite. And we also had, off the top of the show, uh, the, the Young Bucks making a list of notes 
and we got to see Matt's notes that included him crossing out the Good Brothers and also the date October 2nd listed with a question mark, which is a Wednesday night. Yeah, that's right. Teasing something. So um, that could potentially be the date of the first airing. It is a long, on a Wednesday. Are you uh, looking forward to the show on Saturday, or do you feel that this one's coming pretty quick after Fighter Fest? It's definitely coming quick after Fighter Fest. I think in an ideal world, they would have you know put this maybe further into August or something like that, or or early August perhaps, or at least later in, in July. But I think we have to remember that Fighter Fest. I don't know if, if if that was always in their schedule or if that was just something that came with the Kenny Omega signing that they had to kind of shoehorn in. So um, I do feel like there's still such a craving for like anything AEW, anything with the elite guys right now, that I think there's still a good deal of interest for me, um, even in, in a match like this, you know, which is otherwise has no story attached to it. But because I think it'll be a good match between the Lucha Brothers and SCU, uh, I'm I'm definitely interested. This is almost like what it'll be like if they have weekly TV. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. And this was all built up in like just a a handful of promos from uh mainly from Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels really doing um the promos here to build it up and it's just simply, "Hey, you guys are feuding with the Bucks over who's the best tag team. We should be in that mix as well." And we're going to have our match and Christopher Daniels will be in their corner. I'm curious to see what kind of show we see on Saturday and what kind of constructive criticism they took from Fighter Fest, like the good and the bad, because I think that there was, uh, th- there was, you know, part parts of both on that show and what we see implemented this Saturday, and do we see a, a different type of show than Fighter Fest was in presentation? Well, it, on the same edition of being the elite, they basically <laughs> there's a really funny <laughs> bit mocking the yes. librarian stuff where they start off. Um, with Leva Bates saying, hey, Matt and Nick, I have something to t- talk to you uh, about this uh, gimmick. Um, you know, judging by the, the reactions online, the people love it. <laughs> and they're doubling, they're doubling down, tripling down. They're going to go five years with long-term booking for this librarian gimmick. So I like I like seeing that they're, they're uh, having fun with it. At the same time, obviously, they're very aware of the negative reactions um, that this gimmick has received. So I imagine... If you might see any type of re- reference to the librarian or any type of jokey stuff on the on the buy-in, it'll be sort of tongue-in-cheek and almost as a way to say, we get it, everybody. Um, maybe to get heat or maybe, it, 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 you know, just it'll be quickly dismissed. But I feel like you'll see a much improved buy-in. I have to think that. MLW held a show on Saturday night at Cicero Stadium in uh, just outside of Chicago. And this is their best market. They sold out the arena again. Uh, and they announced that they will be returning there November the 2nd for a pay-per-view. It's going to be MLW's first pay-per-view called Saturday Super Fight. And it's going to be going head-to-head on pay-per-view that night with UFC 244 from Madison Square Garden. So there will be um, competition that night. Um, what time is the show? This is going to be at 8 o'clock Eastern. And they're advertising a runtime of 2 hours and 50 minutes. So it will bleed into the main card of UFC. Okay. Uh, into the first hour. Um, they, eight, they eight, also, o'clock, 8 o'clock Eastern time. 8 o'clock Eastern time, yes. Right. Uh, it's going to be 1995. It's on all the major carriers in the U.S. So And on Fight TV as well. Um, what do you think about MLW going to pay-per-view? Like, I'm, I'm curious what kind of... Uh, I, I'm sure they're just looking at, like, what's their break-even and can we get 
uh, enough buys to that we can build up and do. You know, you look. Um, Dave Meltzer has had a lot of interesting data over the last month of kind of what traditional pay per views have been doing, and an interesting number I found was the Crockett Cup show, which did. You know, by the standards of what these small shows are doing, did, you know, more than you would have assumed. And I have to imagine that's kind of MLW's barometer of doing, Mm -hmm. you know, 2,600 to 3,000 buys. Like, that's kind of what the level of what we're looking at for smaller shows. But, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on MLW attempting a pay-per-view? I think, you know, beyond – well, I think it's a good price point Um, even for somebody just – at this point, I feel like, the you know, much of what what these – promotions other than you know the ones that we typically talk about um what they're looking for is people for people to sample their product so that they might get you know be interested in checking the weekly show uh for instance like impact it's not a show i watch week to week but whenever they have a pay-per-view i'm very curious to at least sample it and i feel like with AEW or sorry with mlw doing this it, it at the very least encourages people uh, to, to jump in. This is a jumping on point. Even if you haven't watched anything else, we're going to be at our best. You're going to see our very best stuff, uh, our best talent. Everybody's going to, to try to do their, uh, have the best matches that they usually have. So come and sample the show. Uh, and I think for, for that alone, it's worth attempting something like this just to tell people, hey, this is a, a jumping on point. Um, yeah, I think it's a good price point. It's a good uh, area, a demographic, obviously. It seems like every show is going to Chicago this year. Um, so, I, I, I will be checking it out. I look forward to it. Yeah, it's a crazy amount of shows that are going to be in and around Chicago when you figure in All Out over Labor Day weekend. Bound for Glory is going to be October 20th. In um, It looks like it's going to be at the Odium in Villa Park, Illinois. Um, then you have this show on November 2nd. And then WWE is doing Survivor Series weekend in Chicago at the Allstate Arena with SmackDown on Friday. NXT TakeOver on Saturday, Survivor Series, and Raw, four straight nights. So that that is a lot of wrestling in a short amount of time in Chicago. Yeah, I know. I think the Pro Wrestling Tea Store is going to be really busy. Yeah, crazy. Uh, very crazy stretch. Now, uh, the final thing was on Saturday night, you and I finished doing our show, the G1 show. And then as you were putting the show together, uh, we put the UFC on. And way you got to see the fastest knockout in UFC history when Jorge Masvidal hit a running knee to Ben Askren and finished him in five seconds. And your reaction, I wish this was caught on camera. I almost didn't see it because like I was in the middle of asking you a question as I was uploading. I think I was specifically going to ask you, (laughs) do you capitalize evil or uh, Kenta (laughs) or Sonata? Which ones do you capitalize? And in the middle of me asking you this question, I it, out of the corner of my eye, it was the most craziest knockout I had ever seen in MMA. Um, a, a UFC record, not a, not a not an MMA record, but a UFC record. UFC record, yes. Yeah. Uh, the best though, I think, reaction was uh, um, uh, the one that uh, Aaron Bronstetter captured. Oh man, Israel Adesanya, as he's interviewing uh, with Aaron Bronstetter, is watching this fight, and he gives just an incredible incredible reaction it's it's an awesome reaction because whenever you do knees in the back they've always got the monitors on and you know if something big happens it's, someone might it's the problem with like doing these interviews because these fighters are only going to be available like throughout the night so if you're like john's been through this we've been through this where you're in the back you kind of have to do your interviews during the fights but in this case it kind of worked out so 
it's awesome to hear Adesanya's like in the moment reaction, but then at the end they replay it and he realizes it was a flying knee and he's like flying knee get the fuck out i'm out and he just walks <laughs> off it's the best ending like you have to see this reaction video and aaron is just and and then aaron just does like a throw at the end to ufc 243 uh israel adesanya versus robert Whitaker. it's a great video and so. then he and then he interviews uh jorge masvidal after this and he shows and got his reaction to his reaction <laughs> it was amazing so great great work <laughs> from aaron bronstetter anyway it was a it was a really good ufc card um in the main event, uh, did you get to see much of the main event? No, I, I was still in the midst of like uploading everything, so I, unfortunately not. Well, it was it was a very close fight. I scored at forty eight forty seven for John Jones, uh, but Tiago Santos, I think he got everyone's respect uh, for going five rounds, and like you could make the argument he won this fight, and it's the first time that a judge has ever turned in a scorecard uh, going against John Jones. This was the first split decision of his career, and. Uh, people, you know, Joe Rogan and the commentators, they focused on this a lot of Tiago Santos and his left knee that buckled early on. And today it came out from his manager, Alex Davis, to ESPN that Tiago Santos tore his ACL, MCL, PCL, and the meniscus in his left knee. Jeez. Oh, and this guy fought on that for like four rounds. I mean, this guy was just um, like, what? what a unbelievable feat to be able to go five rounds with the best fighter in the world and you know you can make the argument that he won three of the five rounds like round two was super close and that was kind of the swing round uh he won round one he won round five and then it 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 really it was three and four were for jones and the second one was the debatable round and it ended up being john jones retaining his title but i thought santos really upped his stock uh, is it a rematch you would like to see? It's I, I would like to see it, to be honest, uh, because your options at light heavyweight are uh, Jan Blahovic, who beat Luke Rockhold earlier in the night, uh, Dominic Reyes, and Corey Anderson. And while Tiago Santos is not a big name, I think that he's as interesting a fighter as you can have for John Jones, if it's not Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier will obviously trump everybody. Um, but Tiago Santos is going to be out a long time. But I think when he comes back, he'll probably get one fight. And I would say if Jones is still champion, uh, I would give him one fight and then go back to the rematch. Although Dana White thinks anyone who thought uh, Tiago Santos won that fight should never score again. It wasn't close, and he doesn't want to see a rematch. So, like, Dana White's lost his mind. He is just totally lost his mind in, in some respects. Did you see uh, what Jeremy Botter uncovered? Yes. Yes, I did. Oh, my God. I didn't read it, but I, I saw the heading. Yeah. If uh, Let's give a shout-out to uh, our, our friend uh, Jeremy Botter. He is doing uh, – uh, there's this new uh, sub-stack where you can subscribe to different, essentially, online newsletters. And he does one. It's wizard.com. Uh, and his latest entry was uh, Dana White – who put together a book for all UFC employees called Don't Believe Anything You Read. And it's all about how the media is basically full of shit. That's pretty much his, uh, this is his manifesto against the media. And it's just, I don't know, dude. This guy is just like, I don't know. His distance from reality just seems to grow by each passing month. Oh, man. What else is new, though? You know, like I, this is one thing 
Like, this is one of the most Vince McMahon things I've seen from Dana White. Like, I can't fathom Vince McMahon ever sitting down and doing something like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can. I feel like I can. I feel. I don't know if uh, if he would make publish it into like a little pamphlet, but um, I mean, both sides for years they've always had people there designated to monitor what's being written, and like Dana will have reports brought to him. And it's probably the, the the same in WWE. I mean, for years there were people like listening to our shows, listening to all, all the stuff on the internet, and compiling reports. But this this to me is like a step further. It's like here's here's a handout for everybody. It's just there uh, was a time when I, I'm sure he and, and Zufa would have killed for any type of press for the UFC. Uh, I, I think deep down they they still do. Um, I just feel that there is a just like a real insulated mentality that Dana White has that no one will talk about our company negatively, although I think attention is still what they ultimately covet, but it's their selected coverage that they want to have. Which well, is no different than WWE. That yeah, I mean, they have releases, exactly. I mean, there is there is no value to them of you know extending the olive branch and having open relationships with wrestling websites because uh, they don't they don't believe like why do we have to cater to those outlets and that's totally fine. Um, you see the outlets that they do want to work with and who they do provide talent with, and that's uh, it's not all that different from UFC. Hmm. Anyway, this was a fun chat. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to have many fun chats this week, Way, because I'm looking at this list. You and I are going to be talking to each other a lot in the next six days. Well, in the next several months, I would this say. This has to be a record for the most amount of shows that Post Wrestling has ever put out in a week. Especially on this weekend. Uh, this well, I, weekend is nuts. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, obviously, the usual, we got Rewind to Raw right now, Rewind to Raw Smackdown. We should change the names of these shows, John. No, no way. Rewind. Half the people still call it Review a Raw anyway, so they haven't even caught up to the name change. Rewind a SmackDown on Tuesday evening. And then on Wednesday, our friends from the British Wrestling Experience will be back, possibly uh, talking a little bit about the uh, uh, NXT UK TakeOver show that's coming up. Um, up next is back on Thursday. Friday, we have our latest edition of Rewind Away on our Patreon feed. This is covering Wrestle Kingdom 11. So, Have you I, started this? No, of course not. Oh, I had to start it today because it's a long show, dude. I'll have to start it maybe tomorrow. But yeah, we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom 11. And for many people, it's sort of like uh, 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 maybe the one that they, they jumped into uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling with. So looking forward to talking about that. Thursday, I forgot to mention the Cafe Hangout, a huge edition actually this week. Who do we have? We're going to be joined by MLW's Court Bauer. We'll chat about their decision to go to pay-per-view, the Kings of Coliseum show. They crowned a new champion over the weekend with Jacob Fatu. And we'll chat with Court about kind of all of uh, MLW's business dealings that are going on. And then we're also going to be joined by uh, Rob Naylor and Brendan Doherty. And people might not be familiar with uh, Brendan's name, but he is the genius behind the Wrestling Arcade Twitter account. And they're now putting together a book project. Is that correct, Way? Yeah. I mean, not just the Twitter account, but the phenomenon that is Wrestling Arcade that, you know, people see every single week on the uh, intro to Being the Elite. We've seen his work through uh, the uh, Joey Janela Spring Break videos. Um, To me, just uh, somebody who's completely hit a home run with anything that he's tried. uh, Always entertaining to follow on Twitter and, and elsewhere. So we'll be chatting with him about the new Kickstarter or sorry, the the uh, the new GoFundMe that uh, that they're setting up 
uh, for their new book. Uh, oh, it is Kickstarter. Never mind. Yeah. So, <laughs> Pro Wrestling Greatest Pro Wrestling's Greatest Romance: A Pixelated Guide uh, from Wrestling Arcade. So we'll be chatting to him and Rob Naylor about their project this Thursday on the Hangout, free for everybody on Friday, and then the weekend. John, this oh boy, this might be a record-setting weekend for us. It is Saturday night. It is so big. We're going head to head with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Way and I will be doing a live post show after AEW's Fight for the Fallen. So um, we're going to have back-to-back live shows on Saturday and Sunday. So if you're a double-double ice cap or espresso patron, you can tune in immediately after these shows and watch us do the post show and call in Saturday night, Fight for the Fallen, while Braden and Davey will have a show up Saturday night reviewing Evolve 131, the 10th anniversary show that they promoted tonight on Raw. So Braden and Davey will be tackling Evolve. Yes, yeah, so you can find that on their feed on Up Next, of course. Uh, as well, we have our first Patreon Cafe exclusive edition of our G1 coverage. I would say that afternoon, you think, John? is when we're Yeah, up, we should have that. it. I'm going to be watching it pretty early, so we'll, we'll have it up pretty early, I think, on, on Saturday. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll say, we'll say uh, afternoon-ish. So Saturday and Sunday, there are G1 Climax shows. So those separate reviews Way and I are doing will be available on the Post Wrestling Cafe for all members. Uh, so you can look for those on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, there will be G1 shows. So, oh, my God. Uh, the beginning of B Block, of course, uh, is on Saturday. And then that, that extends uh, A Block Sunday and then B Block again on Monday. Uh, but on the free feed, we continue to upload WH Parks excellent cruel summer series chronicling every g1 climax final all the way until the end of the the, the present day um so uh right now on the feed uh this past weekend i joined him to talk about a match from 2001 dylan fox joined him to talk about the, the finals from 2002 and then coming up this weekend john Oh, sorry. You legitimately <laughs> cut out for a moment there, and then I didn't oh. know if you cut out again, so I just I will quiet. tell you who is going to be on. It's going to be JoJo Remy on Saturday. They're going to be chatting about the 2003 final between Junakiyama and Hiroyoshi Tenzon, and then Sunday, uh, he is going to be joined by Joey Bay to chat uh, Hiroshi, Tana, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroyoshi Tenzon, which was the final from 2004. And that is our insane weekend of three, six, seven shows this weekend. Listen, we do it for the truck drivers. Or we do it for anybody who has to basically go through a really monotonous uh, day and they need somebody to, 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 to keep them company. This is who we do it for. But make sure you subscribe to our Pro Wrestling feed, which you are right now, hopefully. Uh, up next for the Evolve uh, review. And as well, if you like us enough and want to see all our, our G1 coverage, Join the Post Wrestling Cafe, our Patreon, postwrestlingcafe.com. Yes, check out all of that great stuff. And if you missed it, Nate and I did a review of Slammiversary. That's up on the website now. You can hear 90 minutes of us reviewing that show and chatting about the state of Impact Wrestling, which is always a fun topic to look at uh, their latest state. And we also have um, a write-up on the passing of Paco Alonso, uh, a huge power player in Lucha Libre who passed away over the weekend. Uh, surprising news to many people. And it's kind of an interesting way, just the how um, behind the scenes this guy really was in the sense that like there is there's not a ton out there on Paco Alonso. I, I chatted with uh, an executive in wrestling today that has done business with CMLL and just you, you would think 
would have known this guy on a personal level. And he's like, I didn't even know this guy. Like, it's just this guy really kept an extremely low profile uh, in wrestling, uh, aside from those like he worked very, very close with. Yeah, how interesting. I mean, we talk about, you know, figureheads such as Vince McMahon and Dana White, how I would say maybe public they might be with, well, you know, for better or worse, I think their their opinions of, I guess, media and whatnot. And uh, I, I'm very curious to learn a bit more about Paco Alonso. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, in such a short, uh, in the same week that uh, Pero Aguayo died. I mean, it's very much like at a time when you could make comparisons to like a Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan dynamic, and they passed away. In the, in the same week. So two, two big, big passings in the world of Lucha Libre. All right. That's going to take us over to Raw. We no, have, it's uh, not. We have to oh, no. give away a t-shirt. And not uh, only do we have to give away a t-shirt, John. Uh, this week, I'm very pr- proud to announce, if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you receive 20% off all items in the Post Wrestling store. Store.postwrestling.com for the entirety of our G1 coverage. So from now until August 12th, 11.59 p.m., at which point we'll have uh, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling will have crowned a G1 Climax 29 winner, and John and I will finally be able to take a breath. Uh, from now until then, if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron, you receive 20% off all items, including our t-shirts, including our combo packs, including our toques, and including our snapback hats. It's the first time we're putting those on sale, so uh, we haven't had one of these sales in a while. If you're a patron, uh, please, please enjoy. 20% off. Awesome. Go check that out. Store.postwrestling.com. Support the cause. We greatly appreciate it. But now it's time to give away some free stuff. So, Way, why don't you spin the wheel, and it is time to reach down deep, pick out our selected cafe member, and this week's winner is... Congratulations to... I see this name. I have no idea how to how to pronounce it. I've seen this... Lillowen? Llewellyn? Llewellyn. Yes, thank you. Llewellyn Jones. Congratulations, Llewellyn Jones from Great Britain. Don't don't we know, uh, don't we have a mutual friend who... His name is, he goes by Lev. I know, but that is his actual name, is it not? So why doesn't he just, you know, go by Llewellyn? Yeah, I always, uh, whenever I've seen that name, he's the only person I knew with that name. And then I didn't know how he... Got from that to Lev, but it's a mutual friend that me and Wei had that, um, anyway, no one cares, but anyway, congratulations, Llewellyn. You are the winner. Congratulations to you. Yes. You win a post-wrestling combo pack. Yes. Yes. Maybe we'll get a post-wrestling janitor's outfit for our, our fall line of clothing. Or mass. Lot. I, he was wearing a Dos Caras mask tonight. Was that really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Maybe, uh. Alberto Del Rio watching on prou- proudly that his, uh, his his family being so well represented on Raw tonight. All right, let's go to uh, Raw from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Do you know who was in attendance on his 37th birthday at Raw Monday night? I do know because I saw him tweet this. Happy birthday to Ariel Hawani who watched this great show live. So <laughs> he emailed me today to tell me he was going to Raw. And was like, uh, actually, I had wished him a happy birthday. And then he replied. And he was like, I'm going to Raw tonight. What should I expect? And I was like, you know, they had a really good show last week. And they're experimenting with a lot of new stuff. It should be a pretty fun show, I think. I think you'll actually have a good time. And I didn't even have the heart to reply and apologize. Uh, Like, 
an hour into this, I was like, man, what a show you chose. I couldn't imagine being at this show live. I would have been passed out by 10 p.m. I mean, it's, there's a chance he, he might have still had a good time. Maybe, he, you know, maybe he just, yeah, maybe he liked the lights and the, the mystery, the, all that. We'll get an answer. All right. Um, Raw. Kicked off immediately with maybe the dumbest stipulation in recent history. I'm not going to say in wrestling history because we've lived through impact. There have been some stupid stipulation matches. But a mixed tag elimination, it's up their way among the dumbest. It's not even something that I, I realized was going to be so dumb until I saw it in action. Um, a mixed tag elimination match where if one person pinned the other, it would <laughs> effectively eliminate yourself because men can only fight men and women can only fight women. So uh, I don't – obviously, like, they, they continue to try to find ways to fit commercial breaks in, and one of their tactics lately has been to use elimination rules to jam a break in there. Unfortunately, in this case, in a mixed tag setting, it makes absolutely no sense, yet somehow it slid through and here we are. This I, I thought last week when they just had the pull apart and then we came back from break and they just re they just rang the bell just from just for nothing. I was like, okay, we we we're just getting stupid now. And then I watched this. I was like, this is a lost cause. Like there's there's no salvaging this. It's just we're out of ideas. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I feel awful for the staff that every week have to come up not just with one idea. It's like multiples on this show because of this insane ruling that they've come up with that they have to work around and they haven't I just I can't imagine this lasting the entire summer it's just so stupid oh there are complaints about it every single week and I, I just I I, I I I can't imagine that they'd be happy with the reaction that this has been receiving this like as bad as maybe you know going to, to break during wrestling matches might have been it's clearly not worse than what this is the crowd started chanting for Becky. She keeps uh, Zelina Vega away from her corner. And then Vega caught her with a DDT. And Becky ended up having a stare down with Andrade when, when he was tagged in. But that meant Rollins had to enter. So Rollins hits a pair of suicide dives. Then Becky tags in, hits the Bexploder, flying forearm, and the disarmer onto Vega for the elimination, which in theory and in actuality eliminated herself. So the match will continue with the men. And then Lacey Evans shows up in the audience, so Becky goes after her. They go to a commercial. We come back, and Andrade has attacked Rollins from behind. Becky is still on the apron in Seth's corner. Michael Cole says it's basically one-on-one because she cannot enter the match. It's like, this is so stupid. Well, by getting the first fall, Becky earned the right to stand on the apron for the rest of the match. For what For, for what good? Was she allowed to coach her cor- from her corner? Well, Zelina could coach too, so I don't know. It's just to to get a nice view, maybe. Uh, there was a double foot stomp onto Rollins. Rollins came back with a Falcon Arrow. I mean, they had a decent interaction here. It just wasn't very long. Um, Rollins was on the floor, and Becky pushed him out of the way, and Andrade ran at her and drilled Becky. So she goes down, and then Andrade sends 
Rollins into the barricade while he's concerned with Becky, hits the double knees in the corner. Rollins stops uh, a Hurricane Rana from Zelina Vega, so Becky takes down Vega, and then Rollins stops Andrade with a dive, got, gets into the ring, hits the stomp, and gets the win, and the crowd did pop for the finish here as Rollins and Becky Lynch win. I thought in the end, like the spots between the men and the women and how, you know, um, uh, Andrade is aiming for, for Rollins but hits Becky instead, which angers Rollins so that, you know, they get a lot more heated. I thought all that was actually done rather well. It was well-timed, very snappy, one thing after another, and perhaps a good preview of the type of match that we might see on Sunday. Um, but this is, of course, ignoring just the stupidity of, like, the whole thing to, to begin with, I think if they were going to do this, like a elimination or two out of three falls thing, you might as well have had like two separate matches, you know, had just had Becky versus Alina and then come back from break and have Rollins versus Andrade. And you could have still ended up with like the same spots that you did, uh, except not just, you know, completely make yourselves look really stupid afterwards. Yeah, I, you know, I, I know it's like two completely different uh, promotions uh, and size. But, you know, we, we've talked about Becky kind of, like, losing that edge since WrestleMania. And, like, I, I just watch Tessa Blanchard, who just feels so incredibly popular right now. And she, it's to me, She's what that gimmick should be. Exactly. She is where Becky should be now in terms of what she means to the promotion she's in. And Tessa legitimately feels like the most overstar in impact right now. And it does not feel forced. It feels as though, like, she feels this organic popularity in an ideal world. I think if the WWE were more willing to like do intergender matches, like she Becky would be receiving the type of push that I think Tessa Blanchard is right now going up against the men, the man versus the men, you know, but um, they kind of teased it with Naya, but they haven't gone on with, with it. I don't anticipate them doing it with Becky, but I think if it was, if it was a different time, I think it, it would be a great story. I but, think they have to do some kind of intergender spot at in the match on Sunday, whether it's Baron taking a Bexploder or something. Um, I, I think they do have to do some spot with Becky and Baron. Yeah, yeah, I think they will. Yeah, and I think that that'll be their way of kind of testing the waters with it as well. Which but, I, I think, yeah, as you saw on Sunday, um, I think if it's done properly, it can really get over. I just don't see WWE like allowing Becky Lynch to have that type of match. Like I think impact. No, no they're not, they're not going to do like the violent, like you know, stuff with bats and stuff. They're not doing that. Um, but I think there's a way to do it. Um, you could do spots, right? Uh, uh, and you know that might be enough. But um, I think impact is sort of like you know at an advantage where like they're small enough that they can get away with with like I would say um things like that without angering I think too many people. In fact, it's something that makes them stand out. Whereas I feel like WWE with like all their advertisers and, and the broadcasters that they have to kind of like answer to. There's no way I feel like now that they would allow them to like have a match at that level of intensity, at least. But yeah, but you know, regardless of like maybe the type of match, I feel like Becky Lynch needs to grow as a character um, and, and take center stage in a way that we haven't seen her do at all since WrestleMania. She's just kind of been there. In fact, I feel like she's kind of regressed. Corbin then attacked Seth Rollins on the ramp, and Becky goes after him, and Evans returns and hits her with a woman's right, so Becky goes down, and then through all the carnage, Paul Paul Heyman walks out and gets a pretty good reaction from those in Newark. Oh, yeah, of course. 
Little does this crowd know what they're in store for. <laughs> uh, Corbin and Evans were backstage after the break, and Corbin is just reciting a bunch of lines. Well, ho- about- hold on a second. Did you talk about the punch? So, so Lacey Evans decks Becky, of course, with the woman's right on the on the stage. Um, but this replay that they showed afterwards was just like we we had Jorge Masvidal right here in Newark. Did you see this punch? I didn't see I didn't see the replay. Man, like it looked like right on Becky's jaw. Like the slow mo looked oh just wow. caught her. <laughs> it uh I guess punctuates the smoothness of this feud. Um Corbin and Evans are backstage. Corbin said that love does make you blind, and then they laugh about Seth and Becky each costing the other their title, which is what's going to happen on Sunday. They said that their relationship is strictly professional. So yeah. They're, and they're really like, teasing some sexual tension here between these two. Well, I mean, they're teasing it by by having them explicitly state that they are strictly platonic and strictly professional. And in fact, you even had Baron Corbin here at the end, like, complain about love. You know, he's like talking about, how, uh, he says like, love stinks. So, I mean, are we going to see like an emo heartbroken Baron Corbin like clearly these are the man's of a uh, these are the words of a man who has suffered a great deal of heartbreak in his life so is that the reason why Corbin I don't know is it comes across as miserable as he he has maybe he was just a a real young romantic you know a, a man in the past oh could you imagine if they do like some flashback scenes to Baron like as a teenager who is just like a pimply kid like skinny and just Deeply in love, and then his first girlfriend like dumped him for someone that looked like Seth Rollins or something. Oh, or maybe he had a crush on Becky Lynch, and this was like <laughs> getting back. Anyway, what we're lining out here would be actually be really good, I think, compared to like it would be at least some type of backstory, right? Um, the potential for like Corbin and Evans to end up in some type of like strange romance, I'm not entirely against it. I, I, I would. Think, I think it's kind of interesting. Heyman is in the ring. He knows a little bit about the word extreme. And Extreme Rules is taking place from Philadelphia on Sunday. And he said that this Sunday, Brock Lesnar will cash in the Money in the Bank contract against either Kofi Kingston or Seth Rollins. And everybody at home groaned. And he said, that's a spoiler. And he said... He has not violated a spoiler since before WrestleMania 30, which is when he promised Brock would beat The Undertaker and and end the streak. And he said, either I have built up enough credibility by telling the truth that it's now time to lie, and I'm, or I'm giving you the heads up about a significant event. So I kind of like the way he positioned this. He's like, I'm either going to break my five years of uh, of pro- of spoilers coming true, or so it's going to be a cash-in. It's like one or the other is going to happen on Sunday. Yeah, one I think would be interesting. The other I don't give a shit about. Who cares if he <laughs> lies? Like, who cares if it's the first time in five years that he lies? I, I, it's not enough of a hook. Um, I don't know what the thinking is for, for this whole thing is the idea to like get people so bored of like Cayman continuing to promise that Brock is going to cash in 
only to be disappointed so that people just don't expect it so that maybe by the time Sunday it actually happens, we become expected or it, it like, is that the point, John? I think it's just simply to give people that have been burned by this promise so many times yet another reason to believe that the cash in is happening. And I think, Alyssa, I, I like this setup here. I, I like this explanation by Heyman. But I think that they're very much overextending the fans' care about seeing a cash-in. I, I don't think there's all that, um, yeah, you'll get the pop. You'll always get a pop for a cash-in. But I think they're really uh, thinking the fans have a great care about Lesnar cashing in that I don't think is really there. Yeah, no, they've kind of, like, killed the gimmick by this point. To, like, I... It might be surprising if it does happen, especially if it happens against Kofi. Um, by the way, like he didn't mention Corbin or Joe in in like the, this prediction, so I don't know. I don't know. What, I, I don't know if that telegraphs anything. Or well, maybe or they're both losing their titles on Sunday. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like Heyman didn't even mention Corbin or Joe as he said this. Anyway, doesn't matter. But that's his I, out. I don't know if anybody cares at this point. Like even if you you do get a a, a cash in. Um, it's certainly not enough of a hook, I, w- I would say, for anybody to tune in on Sunday. Drew McIntyre. Oh, first, they recap the Bobby Lashley Braun Strowman segment from last week and announced that there will be a last man standing match on Sunday. So that was a quick right. recovery. I guess, yeah. No no real update from Braun. I guess uh, we'll have to wait. Or maybe we might get it tomorrow. Or we'll just wait until Sunday before he appears. Yeah, I think they're coming back way too soon after that angle. And I was very disappointed tonight with the follow-up on that angle. Like, it was almost non-existent on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt... That was the that was in every segment last week. It was the most pressing matter uh, on either show last week. And tonight, it felt like they did a replay of it, and that was it. And Lashley was unscathed, and Braun's going to wrestle on Sunday... And I just feel when you do the big angle, you got to get every ounce out of it. And I feel like you almost wasted a big angle because what was the point at the end of it to for a one week build to a pay-per-view match? Yeah, I feel like, it, you know, in times like with angles like this, it's nice to at least see the participant come back in the go home show just like maybe for one more match before going into Sunday. Um, I don't know if it was just uh, maybe just poorly timed or. Would you, you know what was never said on tonight's show? Ruptured spleen. There was no explanation of that. The man's just had a miracle recovery that he can be cleared for this match on Sunday. Or he'll wrestle with the ruptured spleen. Oh, okay. Thank you. Great. That maybe that's that's the that should have been the stipulation. Maybe. But I think it, it at least requires the visual of seeing Braun and, and Bobby Lashley square off in in person one more time before I think the, the idea of them in a match uh on Sunday really sets in. And I feel like this show was kind of missing that. Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon were backstage and they were with a garbage man named Tony. And tonight they get to pick Roman Reigns mystery partner. And they asked Tony if he'd like to be his partner tonight. Or they, they consider. Yeah. He's under consideration. Great. The Revival and Elias versus the Usos and the Miz. In your favorite, a two out of three falls match. Do you do they announce these stipulations beforehand? Uh, they just announced it when the match began. 
Like Cole announces it. You mean? Yeah, Cole just said it on the commentary. I didn't know this was a two out of three falls match till the match began, and they said it for the first time. I often don't realize until like we actually get the pinfall, and they continue. <laughs> Cole did mention it at the beginning. No, uh, but yeah, I just that don't was notice. A, it's not like they built this up. Miz and Elias fought on the floor. They went around the ring, and then Miz uh, chases Elias up the stage, and Jay's just watching them, and turns around into the Shatter Machine, and Wilder pinned him in three minutes. We come back after the break. The second fall begins. Elias is taken off, and they have the advantage on Jimmy, who gets cut off in the ring. There's a back body drop. No, no, let's for if you didn't watch this, everybody, let's let's just kind of re, re, recap what happened, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, some for some reason, um, Elias decides to leave the match. I guess because he the sight of the Miz was that intimidating that he just can't can't come back. This somehow allows one of the Usos to just lose to a Shatter Machine, that's fine. So Elias doesn't come back when the match restarts. And so instead what we get now is a handicap match between three baby faces and two heels. Um, so that's that's what we're dealing with, everybody. Dude, this show made no sense. Like yeah. there, there's, there's weeks when I'm down on Raw because it's just, it's boring. This one on top of it, like there was so much nonsense on this show that was just... Just bad booking. Yes. Yes. There was lots of that on this show. And this was one of the many examples. So the second fall takes place. Uh, Jay gets tagged in. He hits a high cross. Dawson's in. Brain buster. Miz hit a skull crushing finale on Dawson. Evened it up. And then the third and decisive fall featured some super kicks, a dive onto Wilder, and Jay hit a splash. Final fall, dude went 20 seconds. Well, I mean, a third fall that also began with like, I don't know, five seconds in between. So the heels get that first pinfall in this. You always want to lose the match. first fall because then you get the commercial break to rest. You don't lose the second fall because well, that's exactly there's no rest it. period. So like the baby faces get three minutes with which to recover before the second fall. The heels, however, who are already at a disadvantage in a three on two handicap match, lose that second fall and then immediately have to get into the third fall where the Usos just continue beating the shit out of them. In order to get that third fall, this like it, it made the baby faces look terrible. Um, they gave no time for the revival to recover. Elias didn't even have a good reason to leave. So I don't know if how if anybody would have benefited from this segment. Yeah. So apparently the revival and the Usos are having a tag title match on Sunday. Is that uh, am I correct here in, in say, stating that? I thought they mentioned that during this match. I'm not sure. I will uh, consult Wikipedia after this. Um I'm looking here. It's not listed, but I could have sworn they said this on the in the uh, the Usos when they cut their promo. I thought they mentioned this. You could be right. I could sure. be right. I don't care. You if could I'm be right. wrong too. Yeah, it's fine. Then they showed highlights of Drake Maverick on his honeymoon, and some of these videos were very funny. Where he uh, Renee is all excited about where they're going, and he says, "We're going to Orlando." To which Renee says, "We live in Florida." Mm-hmm. And then they're at Universal Studios, which I found funny for Rockstar Spud and his memories. Oh, yes. And then Renee complains about they haven't even taken a picture together. And we get a a still shot of Drake holding up the title, blocking Renee's face. Yeah, these have been popping up on social media all week, and, and they've been hilarious. Um, Again, it's not just... Drake Maverick, who I think is doing a very good job, but his wife appears to be a great performer, especially in this role. Then Drake is hiding backstage in a crate, and Renee is complaining. 
Drake offers uh, for the two of them to hop into the crate and have sex here on Raw. And he is going to show Renee that he's a great husband and give her the honeymoon she wants. And she says that when that happens, she will consummate the marriage with him. And he yells that he's going to get it on with his wife. And he yells so loud that all the geeks hear him and chase him through the hallways. I certainly am noticing uh, on this particular episode of Raw, maybe it started with last week, but just um, much more of an attempt to cater to, I would say, the uh, hormonal teenage boy demographic. Um, At least with that type of humor. We have a man, you know, um, getting really excited to have sex with his wife. We have another uh, with... (laughs) uh, who a wife impregnated Maria. A wa- yeah, and a wife claiming that her husband will never have sex with her, and that in fact her baby might be from somebody else. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm I, I was very high up on, on this show last week, and this week I'm I'm almost making a total 180. Shane and Drew were next with a concession worker. Another one of the candidates. Rey Mysterio came out for his open challenge. He stood in the ring six weeks ago with his arm in a sling and relinquishing the United States title was one of the hardest things he ever had to do. I would say being the hottest free agent and having offers from New Japan and AEW and coming back here would probably have been an even harder thing for him to do. He said he rehabbed harder and became hungrier and he beat the doctor's predictions and he has returned. So he has laid out the open challenge And who is coming out? Bobby Lashley, who has recovered 100% from last week's near-death experience. And we get an impromptu match between the two. Ray drop-kicked Lashley and hit a 619, then leaped off the top, and Lashley caught him and hit this big flatliner, a spear. And Bobby Lashley pinned Ray Mysterio, dude, in 57 seconds. Um... You know and what? then beat the shit out of him after the match. I mean, like, this ha- this had to be Rey Mysterio. This could only be a role that Rey Mysterio has the unique qualifications to cover. What what was this? Add this to the list of, oh. of things coming out of this episode that just um, were I, I couldn't make sense of. Of all the people that I think you could have had for this throwaway role to heat Bobby Lashley up for Sunday, somehow you decided to waste Rey Mysterio's comeback. Um, I mean, they haven't exactly been booking Rey the strongest since he's been back anyway, but this was definitely like a new level. This was like... I I don't even think Kurt Angle would have had treatment like this. It made no sense why it had to be Rey Mysterio here. Yeah, this... uh, Rey Mysterio has been one that... I mean, if I'm a guy that I'm looking at two identical offers of places to go, I'm looking at this and being like, this is way more of the risk than than the the, the alternative. Do we know how long he might have? His deal was an 18-month deal. So right. it's it's not like he signed some super long-term deal. And yeah, like I, I think that he will still have enough in him that when this deal's up, that he'll be signing another deal somewhere. Right. The, the problem will be, um, you know, the money offered is going to be gigantic here. But like, it's it's just baffling to me the, the amount of money they spend and 
this is what you do. Like th- this was a role that could have been fulfilled by any one of the 24 seven geeks. It could have been like any throwaway baby face that you're not doing anything with. Yeah. So a very, very baffling segment. Uh, so he beat up Ray on the stage. He teased pressing him through the led board, uh, but then just dropped him onto the referees and cut a promo on Braun Strowman saying he was the only man standing last week, and this Sunday he'll be the last man standing. So, um, you know, they're obviously going very hard here with Bobby Lashley and trying to really position him much higher, but it was, I don't know, I just i just didn't think it really worked for coming off such a heavy angle that they did last week, um, that this guy is unscathed, that Braun, there was, there was nothing on him, and we're going to the match so quickly. Um, after such a hot angle last week. But, I mean, they at least did position Bobby Lashley very strong here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, ultimately, it was a bit of a generic segment, wasn't it? Like, it was Bobby Lashley beating up some jobber, except in this case, that jobber was um, the greatest cruiserweight of all time um, in in Rey Mysterio. So, I, I you know, I, I think the spot was really great. If you asked me last week if I was excited for the match on Sunday, I would tell you definitely. This week, I guess I'm not really so sure. Because this segment came across as such a generic segment um, and baffling when you consider that it was Rey Mysterio, uh, I, I, I'm I kind of looking at this match on Sunday like it's just another match. I just think, like, there was something that you could have done to, like, this is the first time Braun Strowman really has to sell the the damage that someone did to him. And he's actually got to go through a recovery and gain revenge on this guy. And you've bypassed all of that. Like there was nothing. It's he was off TV for a week and he's going to wrestle on Sunday, unless they have some other angle in store to get out of the match on Sunday. But are you suggesting uh, like a, a video of Braun Strowman going to rehab? Uh, maybe you two in the background. Big I think just, I, I think, I think at the very least showing this guy, like, all like hospitalized and selling the effects of this, of what Bobby Lashley has done to him. And I I just think like, why do the angle? If you're not going to do any of the elements that make it a successful angle, that's going to in, in theory, an angle that's going to elevate both parties and build to a match that people are going to want to see. The angle was done so well last week that I thought it was big enough for the match to take place at SummerSlam. You know, you do a big buildup of like Braun making this comeback and then ultimately getting revenge on this guy who took him out for such a long time because that stunt was big enough. But instead, I, I, you know, doing the match on Sunday when presumably Braun injured spleen and all will probably be relatively okay. I feel like just ultimately will make us forget about that that thing from last week. Yeah, I I, I go back to this point I brought up before about, like, it's very clear to see AEW's direction when it comes to, like, this, it's fine to do an angle, but the angle only means something if you understand, like, what kind of effect this had on the person that hopefully the audience cares about. And you go to that Brandy Rhodes promo last week, that was one of the best promos this year. And again, it had nothing to do with Ali and some like coming up with some reason for these two to fight over. It was like some backstage skit that leads to a match. It's all about Brandy and her own insecurities that you care about this person by the end of this promo. And that's what so much of AEW's promos are focused on. It's about the performers themselves and why these matches 
mean something and what the the larger representation of them is. And you get none of that in all of these stories that are going on. You do the big angle, but there's no reason to be rooting for the baby face to come back here because you didn't do the promo. You didn't do any of the like what effects has Braun had as a result of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree, you know. And the thing is like WWE is really no stranger to that type of production. They do that stuff themselves, but you have to look at things like Chronicle, Chronicle 24, and, yes. uh 3 you know 365 to to get stories like that and they're not being produced by the same people that produce this television show unfortunately. Uh but if they wanted to pivot like tomorrow, they have the people, they have the they have the 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 style guide even to to do those types of pieces if they wanted to. And who's the guy we talked about? Would be a fascinating chronicle to watch how much different he is. And they're doing it on Saturday. Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, you'll learn more about that guy like in, in that hour of programming or half hour of programming than you probably have all year. I have no doubt. Styles was backstage with Gallows and Anderson, was interviewed by Charlie. AJ says he doesn't owe anyone an explanation for his actions. Uh, he should have just said, we were thin on the heel side. I need a bit of a refresh. And now I'm a heel. I'm 100% heel tonight. And told Charlie to get out of my face. And Anderson and Gallows just ignored her. You know what AJ could have said? You know what, Charlie? Last week, I was explaining my injury and how I rehabbed. And you blew me off and didn't care. So now that you have a question, I'm going to say fuck off. That's what AJ could have said. Remember that promo? Yes. I feel like there was maybe some subtle communication here of that. Perhaps. Maybe. No Way Jose versus Cesaro. Uh, This featured Cesaro chasing away the conga line. And then if you want to go back, this is one thing you can go back to on Raw and relive. Go watch No Way Jose exit the ring to go after Cesaro. This is the least graceful exit I've seen from a professional wrestler leaving a ring under his own willpower that you're ever going to see. Like, you would have thought this guy was grappling Zack Sabre Jr. in the form of these ropes that he was trying to get through. Uh, He got to the floor, fought with Cesaro. They got into the ring. He was hit with an uppercut, gut wrench, Cesaro swing, sharpshooter, and Cesaro won in a minute 10. And then Cesaro tripped over Jose as he was releasing the sharpshooter. <laughs> this was just the, the two most uncoordinated people. Like they just had negative chemistry here. Uh, like their bodies were just not in sync with the other. It's, it was a rematch from last week, of course, where Cesaro again beat, beat Jose really quickly. So it seems as though they are going to tell some type of underdog story of Jose continuing to get his ass beat by Cesaro until one day he might get the win. Um, the problem is I, I don't know how many people care to see Jose get that win um, over Cesaro. I just, it's been two weeks of this and I just don't know if anybody is latching on to Jose as a baby face at all. Did you latching on to Jose as a baby face? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Uh, The street profits were back. They, now it all makes sense. They are here to promote the pay-per-views. I guess, yeah. The the role. The I mean, role. they're very good at it. I don't know if this is necessarily um, Dude, requiring. They're, they're your Doc tag H- champions. They're Doc Hendricks is their role, basically. <laughs> like, I last week <laughs> they're hosting the the Slam Champ. Yeah, like last week, I I guess like we we wondered if they were were going to be a part of the tag team division, and I guess they still might be, but 
This week on the Go Home Show to Extreme Rules, I guess they had no feuds for him, no matches. Instead, they were just here to play big WWE fans who can't wait to watch Extreme Rules on Sunday. They're very excited about The Undertaker digging holes and taking souls, holes and souls. And they emphasize that Roman Reigns is going to have a mystery partner tonight, and it can be anyone. So that prompts Angelo Dawkins to ask, what about Kawhi Leonard? Which got some booze in Newark and perhaps some booze in Toronto as well. Yes. A real sore spot. Kawhi Leonard. Why? Yeah. Wanted to go home. It's fine. And then in a, in a funny little inside comment, uh, Montez Ford told uh, director Kerwin Silfies to transition to another shot. All right. Great. And that was that. Was that. They'd be back for more. I mean, these guys have great delivery. They sound different than most promos on Raw, but I just... I wouldn't make them super fans. Like, yeah, it's it's that's what they feel like. Uh, remember when they had Wayne and Adam, the super fans that they did those ads for? That's kind of what these guys are positioned as super fans that are your NXT tag champions. And you know, I think the better role for this would be Aleister Black. I'd love to see him. <laughs> oh my god! Promote Extreme Rules. And thus, style. I ask you: If he is digging his holes, how will he fit the souls? Oh my goodness. Oh, gosh. Mike and Maria were back on Raw. Mike has bought flowers for Maria, and he's sorry about last week. The news of Maria's pregnancy caught him off guard, and he's so excited that Maria's having the couple's second child. They say how much they love each other, but she says she also loves ice cream and pickles. And Mike realizes that she is telling him to go get her some ice cream and pickles. And... Then he asks, would you like non-fat? And she is insulted by this because Mike is insinuating she's fat. And then as Mike leaves, Maria says under her breath, what type of man taps out to a woman? Yeah. Not Sammy Callahan. Maybe that's the father. Maybe, maybe, man. Um this more to come on this. Well, I'll save my thoughts for the second segment. Okay. Bailey and Nikki Cross did an interview segment, and the two are going to have a beat the clock challenge tonight. And the winner who wins their match in the shortest amount of time gets to pick the stipulation for Bailey versus Alexa Bliss on Sunday. That sounds absolutely confusing. Uh, to their defense, Alexa Bliss was legitimately sick over the past week, and she just wasn't cleared tonight. And thus, Nikki Cross had to get placed into this role tonight. Okay. So that's what was going on. But it seems like they're confident Alexa will be fine for Sunday. So I, 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 I don't have any issue with that. But why did they have Bailey beat Nikki last week on SmackDown? There, there's no explanation for Nikki Cross losing last week. And watching the follow-up tonight, where it wasn't even mentioned... It made no sense that they beat Nikki Cross, which to me was the most compelling part of this story, was that here is Nikki Cross, the real deserving one, and they beat her, and she is now undeserving in my mind. Mm -hmm. She was the credibility in in the in the team that by the end of the evening we learned that you know they will form to to take on Nick Bailey, but instead yeah. she's just like another loser. 
Cross says she's got the whole world on her shoulders. She's got to win tonight, and she doesn't know where she would be without Alexa. Bailey says Net- Nikki is being used, and Cross is sick of Bailey running down Alexa. She's just jealous. And they announce Bailey will face Sarah Logan. Nikki Cross will face Dana Brooke. And Cross says Dana is bigger and stronger, but she's not tougher than me. And I know I've got my work cut out for me, but I will do anything for Alexa Bliss. Uh, again, I-, I think Nikki is just a great personality. She's done really good. I think she's had to show off some acting chops in this program. And while I don't love the story, I certainly feel like they kind of screwed up with it uh, from Tuesday onwards. Uh, I still think Nikki has been doing a good job. I think she's done a really good job. Like she is a baby face. You really do get behind. And I I, th- I think that, yeah, they, they really screwed that up last week, but um, I think she's doing a very good job. R-Truth and Carmella are looking for Drake Maverick. They're searching in drawers. He needs his baby back. So he starts reading the lyrics to with my baby tonight. Drake runs past them, followed by the geeks. And then Truth and Carmella, for whatever reason, run in the opposite direction. More to come. The Viking Raiders took on Colin Justin and Devin Justin. Maybe there's a new rule that all jobbers, their first and last names have to end in I-N. Oh, okay. Colin Justin and Devin Justin. Yep. Like the most fake sounding names ever. Uh, Viking experience in a minute 23. They won. No reaction for this. Um... It's been, you know, several weeks now that we've seen the Viking Raiders have these types of squash matches. Uh, I just don't, I still know nothing about them. They've really made no effort to, like, explain what the characters are, what the, why they're Vikings. I barely even re- realize that they're heels. Uh, I think even the attempt to, like, make them mean and, and heelish has been really kind of minimal. So I I would feel like this would be a team that seems awfully generic as as heels, and I think they're often definitely better as baby faces. Yet, for whatever reason, like it seems like this is the version that we're going to be getting for now. I never remember that these two are heels. Like it's at the end of the to segment me, when it clicks. Like, they seem like such natural baby faces, and that's not not only because we we you know we we've seen them as such uh, uh, in NXT, but I just feel like the gimmick works way better. Their in ring style works way better as baby faces. I know Vince probably sees them and says, oh, it's two big, mean guys. Of course they're going to be heels. But because they wrestle in such a dynamic way, and because they actually just kind of look like friendly giants, I would say, I feel like they work way better as baby faces. You've been given no reason to dislike these guys. They kick ass. They win their matches. Like, why, why would you not like them? They've given you no reason to dislike them. They've never said a word. They've not upset anybody. Mm-hmm. They don't fuck with anyone. Yeah. They've simply Why would be, you boo them? They've been given like very little personality. Uh even actions that would touch like only by association do we realize that they are supposed to be heels. Um, but no story to speak of right now. It just might be another one of those things where we have to wait for this pay-per-view before we get something. But I feel like I've been saying that for so many people. Oh, after this pay-per-view they'll get they'll get a storyline. And then, you know, here we are. After the match, the geek showed up. R-Truth was in the ring. He backed away from the Vikings and left with Carmella through the audience. Yeah, there was a brief stare down between Truth and the Viking Raiders. Um, is that anything? Uh, probably not. Yeah, maybe not. Roman Reigns was backstage. Charlie asks him about Shane's 
Mind games. Rain says he has nothing to say, only that the people playing the mind games are on his team. It's a battle of mind games, way. What does that mean? Uh, it used to mean... No, 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 no. no. The only play- people playing mind games are on my team. Well, he was trying to explain that we are two steps ahead of Shane and Drew McIntyre who think they're getting one up on me. So he had this plan with Cedric Alexander, and boy, are we going to show them. Oh, so he was foreshadowing what... But did he? how would he have known that they were going to choose that janitor? This part was not. This part was not explained well because it didn't make sense. Because they explained that Shane and Drew got to pick the partner. So Roman, his plan only works if it's uh, if it's a black the, man. If it's the black janitor, yeah, or any any black man, I suppose. Who's, unless who's that maybe, height. unless he recruited multiple members of the two hundred five live roster to fit whatever ethnicity was selected by the candidates. Like he may have had. That's got to be uh, it. Someone who looked like the concession worker, someone who looked like the garbage man. He had all these cruiserweights on standby, and he was just going to DM them whenever it was time for the match and then give them the Dos Caras mask. So so Roman Reigns' team is the entire 205 Live roster. Yes. These are the mind games. That should be the name of the show on Tuesday nights. 205 Mind Games. That would set my expectations way too high. Yeah, and it's not – you don't win by pinfall. You win by outsmarting them. Ricochet cut a promo. Enough said. He looked up to AJ for a long time. He knows that Anderson and AJ will get involved tonight, and he knows he's going to have to end up fighting all three. Then the club came out. Styles tells him to slow down, appreciate the moment, because Gallows will stomp a mud hole in you. And they replayed the attack from last week, and Corey ended it. More mind games from AJ Styles. (laughs) Corey is the worst offender of this term. Well, Maybe Vince McMahon is is the the purveyor of God damn it. There's there's a fucking game going on between my ears. It's it's like it's mind games. Fuck. Where's my Tylenol? That's what I was asking by this point in the show. Ricochet and Luke Gallows. Uh we got your favorite. We got the rear chin lock, which is what you always look forward to in a ricochet match. Gallows caught him with a clothesline. Styles just played cheerleader. And then Ricochet caught him with a sunset roll-up in three minutes. Styles then challenged him to take on Carl Anderson. So you know what? Ricochet said, give me three minutes to catch my breath. And then I want this match to restart. And we'll have a match with Carl Anderson. So they said, sure. We went to a commercial break. And they had a staring contest. Came back. And we rang the bell to start match number two. Styles distracted him. Anderson had the advantage for a while. Styles was grabbing his foot. Then Ricochet ducked the clothesline, hit a Fosbury flop onto Gallows, and then kicked off the post and backflipped onto Styles on the floor. Anderson then ran into the post, and Carl got knocked down, hit with the 630, and Ricochet won in four and a half minutes. So AJ jumped him, hit a bloody Sunday, got the Gallows and Anderson to hit a magic killer, and then he teased a Styles clash off the turnbuckle, but Ricochet wasn't even worth his time and just dropped him onto the mat. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had basically a set of like two really generic WWE matches, which for Ricochet matches, 
I feel is uh, basically like saying, you know, they're really bad. Um, Gallows and Anderson should be calling their finish now the uh, high six figures. That should be the name of their finish now. Well, good for them if they can call yeah, it great that. for them. Yeah. Uh, but crowd was pretty dead for both of these matches. And um, I feel like it just may, might simply be the opponents. Cause I feel like they, you know, this audience reacted pretty well to Ricochet versus AJ Styles. Also it was not, they were not matches that were all that exciting, unfortunately. So I, I like AJ as a heel a lot. I like the club back together, but man, these were some cold matches. Yeah. Uh, they teased leaving. Then they returned and they held Ricochet for a phenomenal forearm. And then they did the two sweet sign. And then, you know, as much as they're involved with, with this whole company now and the promotion, it was something to hear Michael Cole plugging the premier independent promotion known as Evolve. Yeah. Which I wonder if that's how uh, that's going to be the new name whenever they promote it is the premier independent promotion known as Evolve. <laughs> that sounds like something so wordy that that is what they will always have to refer to this company as. Um, absolutely. Yeah. What the hell is Evolve? Do I look like someone that's evolved? <laughs> uh, and then they went into this quick package uh, with comments from Johnny Gargano, Drew McIntyre, and maybe my highlight of Raw this year, hearing Lenny Leonard's voice on Raw. The most, uh, the unsung hero of Evolve and independent wrestling, Lenny Leonard. It's great for Evolve. I mean, you know, we know that this relationship has existed for years now, but this is, I, I, I believe their first acknowledgement of the relationship of Evolve on Raw. Um, it was a very simple video. Didn't necessarily tell you who was going to be wrestling on this card. Um, <laughs> yeah, why was that? Because they probably don't consider anybody stars. Like, that, like it's their opinion. guys that are head. It's Adam Cole wow. and Akira Tozawa and Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle in the top two matches. I thought at least they would have promoted those two. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's something... Maybe they don't consider that to be a hot enough match. Who knows? But basically what you did see was images of, uh, you know, some of, like, the 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 the, uh, the alumni. Uh, you know, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, uh, uh, Brian Danielson, uh, uh, Drew McIntyre, uh, Drew Gulak. And then you show that with... Uh, they mix that with clips of the Street Profits, Velveteen Dream, Austin Theory... Uh, DJ Z, Walter Adam Cole, and I, I believe those guys, they seem to be promising, will be on this show. Is Walter going to be on this show? No, no, Walter's not on this show. Well, why did they show him then? Uh, he's wrestled for Evolve in the past. They, they, okay. But they, sh they showed him in the portion where they're like, uh, you know, so there, there was one portion that was the past. And the one person is supposed to be the present. And that that led me to believe that some of these guys, anyway, whatever. Let's, uh, let's actually uh, look at this card. Right, now. I think this is going to be an awesome show on Saturday. I think they're going to have a really great oh, show. It's the premier independent wrestling organization. No one has evolved. Uh, Adam Cole, Akira Tozawa, Austin Theory, who to me is a lock that he will be in WWE in the near future, uh, versus JD Drake, and they're doing a winner take all for the Evolve and WWN Championships. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy versus AR Fox and Leon Ruff. Matt Riddle versus Drew Gulak, Anthony Henry versus Arturo Huas, Colby Carino, the son of Steve Carino versus Babatunde, and Kurt Stallion versus Sean Maluda versus Stephen Wolf versus Harlem Bravado and Josh Briggs versus Anthony Green. So uh, a mix of you know NXT guys that are in this, but it's there's quite a few evolved guys on the show 
as well. You know what would have been the best? We go to the back, uh, and my guest at this time to tell us about this premier independent organization known as Evolve. Can you please tell us what's coming up? Charlie Caruso. This coming weekend, Evolve 10th anniversary, night one, Philadelphia. <laughs> Could you have imagined that promo on Raw? I would die. I, this would have been a thumbs up Raw if oh that happened. God. Absolutely. I I, I'm doing- very happy for, for Gabe Sapolsky. If you ever watched that episode of The Wrestlers and it's like, man, th- this guy has, I know he has his detractors in wrestling, but man, Gabe Sapolsky, think of the hardships this guy has gone on at the independent level for his, for, you know, for the last 20 plus years that he's been working in professional wrestling that, you know, he's now got a steady job. He's working as a consultant with the biggest company in the world. And, you know, Evolve is getting national attention now. I mean, it's it's hard not to be, uh, feel good for him catching a break. I suppose so. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I feel like he's in a really good place and I think he will be in a very good place in, in the, in the future uh, for years to come. Um, I, I, I more so look at it as, you know, something really good for people like Austin theory who are getting yes. a chance to expose themselves to a much larger audience. Uh, Renee is backstage, not Renee young. This is uh Renee Michelle sitting backstage with Drake. Um, Drake is out of breath, but he survived the night as champion. But then in the crate they are sitting on, R-Truth gets out of it with a referee. And Truth tells Hornswoggle, that's his baby. And Carmella tells him to go get the title, and they chase Drake Maverick. And I don't think we ever got a resolution to this, did we? Not on the show. I mean, maybe on social media they'll continue this, or, or SmackDown, I suppose. Yeah, this is how the segments ended that night. Shane and Drew are with Gary the Janitor. He's offered $5,000 to team with Roman Reigns, and all he has to do is stand there, and he doesn't have to do anything. And he really needs the money, so he agrees. And then Drew, okay, remember this. Drew suggests that he wears a mask. And Shane explains he doesn't want the janitor to have the burden of being recognized worldwide like we are. So the heels came up with the idea to put him under a mask. And Roman somehow predicted that, that this would happen because yes, he had, he's black and my friend here is black. Oh, maybe Roman just thought they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between two black men. Um, you really have to like be really stupid in order to accept any of this. And, or just really be able to suspend your disbelief to a level that is really stupid in order for you to really believe this. Um, I thought it was really poorly done. Beat the clock. Bailey versus Sarah Logan. This uh, elicited some CM Punk chants. And then uh, Bailey delivered the uh, sunset bomb and pinned her in 432. This was the uh, the sunset bomb that sent Logan the back of her head into the turnbuckle, which I guess is a Bailey go-to. Uh, she didn't have Alexa to do this too. So Sarah Logan took the bump. I suppose if, if they're going to do that move, I'm glad at least here it was used as a finish. I think it yes. should at least, you know, be, be conditioned for the audience to, to give it a big reaction, but um, it, you know, a pretty quiet crowd for this match too. At, at times they were chanting CM Punk. I would say decent level of aggression from both ladies in this match, but the crowd did not give a shit about this. I was 
totally with this crowd by this point in the show. Then Nikki Cross took on Dana Brooke. Uh, Nikki stomped her in the corner. Dana stopped her with a gourd buster and then missed a swanton. And she got very high on this swanton. She's been doing it on um, main event shows. Yeah. Main event. Yeah. Yeah. Her and Sarah Logan have been doing matches on main event. Um, She caught Nikki with a cradle for a two count. And then Nikki hit her with the spinning neck breaker in 241. And she destroyed Bailey's time. So, yeah. What the hell was up with the times? Like, you know what? I I was not complaining. I didn't need them to go four and a half minutes. Well, um, I understand, but like, wouldn't you at least want to have it close to make not to make Bailey look like at least competent? No. Like she beat her by a whole like minute and a half. Yeah, she she's not as good a wrestler as Nikki Cross, except on SmackDown. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, uh, I thought Dana looked good here. To me, this was like you know. Um, the main draw for me was seeing the updated Dana look, Dana Brooke. She uh, pulled out some new moves. Uh, I think she's shown uh, a bit of an improved uh, smoothness in the ring. So I actually want to see a bit more of her. I think Dana works very hard, and I think she really wants to be very good at this. And to me, I she is right near the top of my list of people that should have stayed in NXT way longer than they did. She was called up so quick. She was called a year after she started. And was up on Raw. And it was way too early. She's been on this main roster for three years. And I think she could have gained so much by just not having the pressure of being on the main roster and being slotted at a certain level. Like, ever since they broke her away from Charlotte, she's kind of been in this, you know, this non-pushed role. And I think that she was someone that could have greatly benefited from an a minimum extra year um in nxt i still feel she would she would probably progress more by getting regular nxt house show touring and working in that system yeah and and it's clear at least from seeing this match that she has been taking advantage of you know the being out of the spotlight to improve herself and work hard and i you know earlier this year they were giving her a bit of a push um but ever since like money in the bank uh it's we just have not heard anything. Um, it's the whole women's division for for that matter. I feel like has been just a full of like people that we just haven't heard from in a long, long time. I'm thinking about people like Naomi who just have nothing going on right now either. Like lately, it just feels like everything is Becky, Lacey Evans, a bit of Bailey and Nikki Cross. That's about it. Nikki says Bailey doesn't understand what a real friendship means. And she is going to make the title match a two-on-one handicap match where, like she explained it, it will be her and Alexa against Bailey, with Alexa being able to win the title. And she tells Bailey to go find a friend of her own that can slap some sense into her. And then Bailey slaps Nikki and hits a Bailey to belly and a top rope elbow. And I don't have any uh, any knowledge of this, but boy, was this teasing Sasha Banks returning. Yeah, I mean, when you say Bailey and friend, uh, who who you can trust, I suppose there's nobody but that comes to mind but Sasha. But what I found interesting was that in this segment, like right in between their two faces on the hard camera between Nikki and Bailey, was a giant sign with the words "We want Sasha" from a, a child holding this in the background. And for whatever reason, they decided to quickly cut away from it and never went back to that shot for the rest of the segment. So I don't know if it was just a direction to, you know, for them not to, like, want you to think that. Um, 
or maybe they didn't want to telegraph it, or maybe it's not Sasha. I don't know. But I found it interesting that they decided to cut away from something that could have been, you know, perfect for foreshadowing. Mike is with Maria backstage. He's got the ice cream and pickles. And she says, I can't eat that. I'll get fat. And she, she asks Mike, if I wasn't pregnant right now, would you impregnate me? And he says, of course. Of course I'd impregnate you. I'd impregnate you right now. And Maria says... I'm so thankful you do the recap, John. Oh, yeah, this will be... This is going to be my uh, soundbite that is taken out of context. And <laughs> Maria says, I'm not even sure you're the one that impregnated me this time. And then yells at him, look what you did to me. So these, to me, were two conflicting comments. She's not sure that he impregnated her this time, but then responded, look what you did to me. You know, after last week, I said I would wait to see where this goes. And I think I've waited long enough. Oh, they're going to draw this out. I guarantee this is going to build up to some big fucking Maury Povich reveal of who the father is. I think they're going to milk this all summer. This is going to be like uh, Jason Jordan as the as the son of uh, Kurt Angle. Yeah, this this was really bad. Um, I think uh, is he the father Angle in 2019 is just the last thing I'd want in professional wrestling. Uh, watching as a 35 year old man, I think it'd be the last thing I'd want as a 15 year old man. It just it's it's total trash. It's it's just. Clearly written by a man. I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong. Like, if Dana Warrior is all over this, oh, yeah, she should say this, she should say this, I would be shocked. But, fuck, like, nothing about this segment seems modern, seems current at all. It just feels like it's, like, something out of Jerry Springer. There are several women on the staff, um, but I I don't know who's necessarily... I I mean, last week, you know, the Mike and Maria stuff, it was very much... um, you know, directed at like a Heyman influence. I mean, he's always been someone very high on Maria Canellis. So that was kind of the thinking last week. And I don't oh, know if boy. this is... Yeah, what a, what a role for her. So anyway, I, I think this is going to just continue. And this is going to be the, the big mystery. Corey Graves oh, was backstage with uh, Rollins and Lynch. And Graves says, some say that their personal relationship could be their downfall on Sunday. Becky cuts a promo about Baron and Evans getting no more chances after Sunday, called Graves an emo head, and Seth ended it by saying, yeah, what she said. Uh, I, I thought Becky cut a good promo here on Corey. I, but I'm I'm so ready for this feud to be over and these two to just not be linked on TV anymore. Yeah, I thought this was better than what we had last week um, because thankfully it was only Becky speaking speaking in the in the segment and not Seth having to come up with some, like... I don't know, corny, like... Oh, do an Irish <laughs> accent or something? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I, clearly, like, Becky should be the only one speaking in these types of segments. The Street Profits are excited about Kofi Kingston and Samoa Joe. Dawkins tells Ford to stop impersonating The Rock. And Dawkins is picking Samoa Joe because he doesn't want to get choked out. And then he joked about picking Baron Corbin to win the title, but then laughs and says even Baron Corbin's mother doesn't like Baron Corbin. Yeah, yeah. Um, Huge yeah. Game changers here on Raw. 
I mean, they're really just two big WWE fans, and I think they have a great deal of personality. I thought last week, you know, like Montez Ford especially came out with so much energy and so much charisma that you, you know, it, was, it was really great. I feel they're quickly bordering on obnoxiousness, though. Like if these were to continue two times every single week. Uh yeah, it'll depend. I, I I really enjoy these two, but yeah, I don't I don't want to like, like these guys are. Just I couldn't watch wrestling the, the... with two guys like this, you know, <laughs> like guys doing the rock impressions and like like talk. I don't know. Maybe that's just this me. is this is like watching with Braden. This is no, it's not. Like. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, Braden is Braden's fun to listen to. Uh, they aired a trailer for Batista's Twenty Four, and. Then we had our main event, and there was like eight minutes left in the show. I was not complaining. Mike Rome did the single absolute worst introduction ever. This thing was awful. Shane's face said it all as Mike Rome's voice looked like it was about to just check out. It was really rough. Drew cut a promo on Roman Reigns not having respect for anyone except for himself. He's going to beat respect into Roman Reigns. And then they introduce Roman's partner. The fifth grade spelling bee champion, the Prudential Employee of the Month, Gary Garbett, who limped out wearing the Dos Caras mask. And we got our tag match. With four minutes left after a commercial break. Couldn't go quick enough. Uh, Drew stopped a Superman punch and then hit Roman with a Glasgow kiss that knocked him into the corner and inadvertently tagged in Gary Garbett. And in comes Gary... And Shane tags himself in, and they're bringing up how Shane was a liar. He said that Gary wouldn't have to do anything, and now Shane's going to beat the piss out of him. But instead, this guy fires up on Shane with an insiguri. He slips on the – he goes for a springboard and slipped. And I thought – I was like, wow, this guy is, like, purposely trying to fuck stuff up to get this over. And in hindsight, it was just a legit slip that he did and luckily didn't, like, break his face falling down. Uh, he hit a handspring, Topi Kanhiro, and then a springboard cross body, and then turns around and gets laid out with a claymore, and Shane pins him in 209. Everything made sense about this until the finish. None and of this made sense. Uh, well, I think you're being too, true. too, you're right. Like even the okay. mat, like the heels masking him. None of it made sense, but I, I know what you're trying to say here. But the finish was like, what the fuck was the point of, of this whole thing? The heels basically got exactly what they wanted out of this anyway. So for, for like who, Roman, who gives a shit that it was Cedric? It's like, wow, I thought we beat a, a handicapped janitor. Instead, we beat a former champion. Awesome. We, we're like really good at this wrestling stuff, and you two suck. It made Roman look stupid for trying Roman to. Roman looked so fucking dumb here. Yeah, for trying to like. And this in. is how the goddamn show ended, dude. Well, this it is the goal. With Roman like shaking his head, like, man, what a. What an idiot. This was the go home show, man. To, to extreme Christ. Rules. So, I mean, Roman looks stupid for like coming and trying to th think of this like massive grand plan to, to, to have Shane and Drew's plan backfire, only to have the plan backfire on him anyway. He got his friend beat up in the process. Um, Shane and Drew, I guess, I don't know. Like, it, it, this, this worked perfect, I suppose. Maybe they didn't beat up Roman as, as much as they wanted to. But um, they beat up um, this cruiser raid anyway. But Cedric comes out of this looking really dumb, too. So. He takes the mask off. He's bleeding from his lip. So he got nailed in this whole thing. And he's like, 
He's like giving this grin like he pulled one over on everybody. It's like, dude, the only person you outsmarted was yourself. It was perplexing end to Raw and making Roman like goddamn. Like I, I I always hate the Austin comparisons, but like could you imagine? Could you imagine him where Vince and Shane <laughs> pulled one over and beat Steve Austin and his partner I don't know, pick whoever, your undercard guy. It was just what a what a th- this was a bad episode of Raw. It a was a bad episode. It was of a Raw. perplexingly bad episode of Raw where I think a lot of just booking decisions were incredibly like incredibly weird and incredibly like wrong. Not even um, thought out. Like how are we not just figuring like just basic stuff like why is Elias walking out on this match and it's 3 on 2 for the baby faces and why is Roman looking like a goddamn idiot by the end of this where we're where where the heels are outsmarting the baby faces like they're two steps ahead of the baby faces that thought they were one step ahead and Maybe we uh, when why, so much why why was Rey Mysterio's comeback wasted on a Bobby Lashley squash match and why was there elimination rules to a mixed tag match like I often say, you know, uh, a video game could book an edition of, of, you know, Raw that we review. I think a video game could book a better edition of Raw than what this was. Because at least in a video game, you probably wouldn't be allowed to do a mixed tag match with elimination rules attached to it. It would probably just be grayed out or something. This, this was- is a reminder of you when you and I were interviewing Impact at its worst. Or uh, a Nitro. It might be worse than some of those. Like, this was three hours worth, for one thing. Um, and I think Raw should definitely be held to a higher standard, given that they have way more money, way more resources, way more talent working back there, and they're on a bigger stage. Um, what's incredibly strange to me is that we came off of, I thought, one of the best episodes of Raw of the year last week, all of a sudden to this. So if we have to give Paul Heyman credit for last week's show, we must give him credit for this one as well. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but this was t- a terrible edition of Raw. No good matches on the show either. Yeah. And, and, and you know, from, from like the sound of things, it's like last week's show, like it was still like the same team in place. But I mean, you could watch that show. You could certainly see the influences and like, like this just, this show just felt like, like a drastic, like retread back to where we were. And I, I would say even worse in, in many cases, because you're, you were just puzzled here. I, I, would venture to guess this would be among, if not the worst raw of the year. I'm giving this one because I, I don't know when else I can give this. This gets a one. Because it came off of the one last week or just in general? I just, I, I found this to be just a perplexingly badly put together raw. And I just, I, I don't know if this, this hit a low for me. I'm trying to think. What I, I'm, one- I'm definitely being too harsh. No, but, but I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to convey, what a, I'm like, trying to this think, was just a baffling show for me. But I'm trying to think what a one would look like. Like, how bad would a show have to be in order for me to give it one? Can a Raw get worse than this? Like, Do what you want were, to rewatch this? <laughs> what were the redeeming quality of this? Because I'm trying Seriously, to... Seriously, what, what were the positives? I enjoyed... I'm going to try and be really extra positive. I'll give segments the benefit of the doubt, and I'll even bell curve them. I thought Drake stuff... I, I enjoyed the segments with Drake. Uh, I like Nikki Cross. I think she's a great personality. Um, um, I'm scanning through my notes here. Um, literally, um, 
Uh, you know, Becky like, cut a fine promo with Corey Lacey. Lacey punching Becky in the mouth. I mean, maybe maybe a little too harsh, but it worked out. I think for the feud <laughs> for the for the match on Sunday. You're saying the shot you said was like a stiff punch that that was one of your high points of the show. Ultimately, that helped the match, did it not? On okay. Sunday, promote okay. the match. That's the goal of this show, isn't it? Um, they mentioned Evolve. That was uh, you know, they pushed the show on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Street Profits have good delivery. I just don't really care for what they're delivering, but their actual delivery is very good. Um, That's about it, dude. Like some of the booking on this show is just, I, I, the the Nikki Cross stuff. I I mentioned Nikki Cross. Oh, you did her personality and the promos I I thought were good. And yeah, I really had no issue with that and the setup for the handicap match. And it also teases something. I think you're left uh, wanting to see, Sasha Banks show up and that's what I, I I will give a big positive to that because sometimes you will want to do a surprise that no one foresees ahead of time and this one it's well we want to see Sasha Banks but we don't know that it's Sasha Banks so if she does show up it's going to be an enormous pop because you've allowed yourself to anticipate something you do want to see or at least I think most people want to see what if she doesn't show up though well then you're left promising or at least teasing something that you had no intention to deliver because uh unless bailey's got any other friends out there um i thought uh ricochet and versus aj was was built up fine you know um your favorite mike and maria continues oh man that was awful that was really bad that was among to me one of the worst things on the show i gave it a two all right um we got a staggeringly low feedback. I do not at all take any uh, I'm humility surprised, from that. Honestly, I'm surprised because like, I, I feel coming off of last week's show, that I, I sense that there might be heightened interest in Raw. But I'm not, I'm not. not lying way. If, I, if, if we were not doing the show, I would have been done after an hour tonight. Like Tonight was just one of those nights where I, I would have gone out for, for a walk or something. Maybe gone to like Dairy Queen or something. Well, instead. we always have people uh, like, you know, anytime we have a show like this, People always that at least someone out there is going to think that we're way too negative on the show and think that this was actually a decent show or maybe even a good show. So I'd love to hear from some of those people. Well, Andrew from Cape Breton has a more positive view. He says Raw was okay tonight. I think it would have been an incredible star making performance if Cedric Alexander was able to get the win tonight on Shane McMahon. I get that he's not the person being focused on, but this whole setup seemed like a way for Cedric to get over with the reveal after a win. I'm also feeling a little bit uncomfortable with the Mike and Maria angle. I get that Mike is the sympathetic figure, but I'm guessing not all pregnant women just go into these psychotic rages because they're pregnant. So maybe it's her. Uh, Valid point. It looks like it's an abusive relationship storyline, and there seems like no way for Mike to get redemption at the end of it. Speaking of relationships, did you guys know that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch are in a relationship? They're not as fun to watch, though though as the best couple in pro wrestling, Drake Maverick and Renee Michelle are. Man, man gets himself TV time and his wife a job. I think he's now in the running for wrestler of the year. He gives this show six out of ten. We all have our skills. Jay from Colorado says this Raw was definitely a step back from last week. While it feels things while it still feels things may be improving. Um it was a long three hours tonight. Last week, the new edginess seemed natural. This week, it was awkward and felt forced. I'm giving them credit of the. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they're still working through things. Real change takes time. Last week, I said I wasn't going to get the WWE Network back until they gained my trust back. 
but I got an email from them offering three months for 99 cents. So just a heads up to everyone looking to cancel. If you can live without the network for a month, you'll likely get the same deal. And MJ, who wasn't in NJ for Raw. Well, the good run of Monday Night Raw's streak ended at one. <laughs> I really think the problem is too much TV time. Russia, that was not the problem tonight. Tonight was not, the, the problem was not length. It was just what, what was filling all of it. Uh, rushing back Lashley was premature. So tonight we got a two out of three falls match where the first fall means nothing. A mixed match elimination tag. So really the first fall means nothing. And a joke of Ricochet versus <laughs> Gallows. That the firstborn portion of every match is truly skippable makes Raw a very quick watch on delay. An unintentional benefit of fans by WWE. Would it have been so hard to let Cedric get a surprise roll up before the reveal? He was such an afterthought. Awful execution. Shane and Drew look like father and son. I guess we were getting Sasha's return soon. I think Nikki is getting the pin Sunday is a lock. Street Profits are very enjoyable. Question for the Mixed Match Challenge. Could you see them ever making couples as teams like Seth Becky, Charlotte Andrade, Zelina and Alistair Black, and Naomi and Jimmy Uso? I'd enjoy that, especially if there was some reality TV element. Well, a lot of, a lot of those couples, they aren't um, couples in storyline. They're simply couples in real life, and I feel like uh, they won't necessarily put somebody like Alistair Black and Zelina together unless there is a reason for it. If anything, you'd get Zelina and Andrade because they're an actual, I think, tandem. So I don't necessarily see them bring all that to television. All right. Any more to say, Way? No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, um, yeah, again, re- pretty surprising. Uh, if you have a difference of opinion, please let us know. All right. We went over it. It's a packed week of shows here at Post Wrestling. You can get the whole schedule up at postwrestling.com. Way and I will be back on Tuesday night after Rewind to SmackDown that I already guarantee is going to be a better show than Raw. And they've actually announced – actually, let's take a look at what they have announced for SmackDown because they did not mention it on the show, but they have announced several things, including – a non-title match between Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura. They're also doing Dolph Ziggler versus Kevin Owens. Alistair Black's opponent will be revealed for Extreme Rules. And a SmackDown Tag Championship Summit. Whatever the hell that means. All right. Yeah, well, all that sounds uh, promising. I look forward to seeing two minutes of... Shinsuke Nakamura versus Finn Balor before we get a commercial break and then two more minutes of it. It'll be great. All right, that's it. Thank you for tuning in and we'll be back on Tuesday night.